Good evening. Shortly after noon today, the Vancouver police received a call from the BC Ambulance Service regarding a sudden death in a room on the 21st floor of the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel at 1038 Canada Place in downtown Vancouver. Police attended the room within minutes of the call and paramedics advised the man in the room was clearly deceased. Corner staff did attend the scene. The deceased has been identified as 31-year-old actor Corey Monteith, who achieved great fame on the popular TV series Glee. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you'll find you get what you need. Today at the reception, a glass of wine in her hand. Oh, I knew she was gonna meet her connection. At her feet was a footloose man. I know you, you can. can't always get what you want. Oh, no, no, you, you can't. can't always get what you want. What you want. You can't finally back it's the pop ninja slice and dice podcast number six which is interesting because six could have been last week but yeah we ended up not going to lone ranger yeah for which... once we decided we weren't <laughs> going to take the bullet for the, for right. the three of you for the for the three of you we we fell on the sword for after earth and yeah. we're not doing it for you yeah, again. We haven't, we, <laughs> the wounds have not healed from after earth we <laughs> Did not want to see the Lone Ranger under any circumstances. So I'm sure down the road, I will at some point see when the Lone Ranger. When it hits Redbox, I'll pay the buck twenty nine or whatever it is now <sighs> to see it. And Only it, to tell you then that it's officially a shitty movie. Yeah, two and a half hours worth of... And though everything I'm hearing, the first half hour is great, the last half hour is great, but the hour and a half in the middle sucks. Right. Absolutely sucks. So yeah, I I'm not paying movie ticket price. But that said, we did get together last weekend. We drank <laughs> way too much beer. Well, we did. And that pork slap ale that then, was malt liquor. Apparently, oh, that was horrible. That was horrid. <laughs> it was funny because when uh, I got to the theater today, I had you and I'm just, the chick was asking me, uh, "Did you see Lone Ranger?" I go. No, she goes, good. Oh, the manager yeah. check that asked us last time what movie we were there to yeah. see? It's kind of gotten so she knows us. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's funny if, if theater or managers even can't even recommend the movie. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, so it's been a little while. It has. A few weeks. Um, Couple. Yeah, it's been since shit. Since what? World War Z? Yeah. Wow. So it's been three weeks. Yeah. 
A little bit of news hit. One of my favorite movie franchises of all time, even like the shitty movies, mm-hmm. Terminator. Right. I'm there with you. Is going back to a reboot status. From what I hear, it's reboot status. Yeah, everything I'm hearing is full on reboot. Um, I don't know that there's much you, else they can do with the current storyline. Yeah, do you think that? Um, do you think they go back to reboot status on movies where they don't feel that their last movie that came out was worthy of being inclusive to the Ooh. franchise as a whole? Th- that's an interesting question, because there I mean, are certainly people that would support that with this franchise. Because there's absolutely no- nothing that... And, and it's interesting, because you look at Star Wars, and s- fans of that would, would say to you that those other three movies, or at least The Phantom Menace, doesn't stack up. But they're not even... They wouldn't dare think of a reboot. No. But Star Wars is its own animal entirely. Because you're talking... Basically, you're talking about the Holy Trilogy. And the prequels had an instant flaw in that everybody already knew the story. Mm. Um, And all you have to do is see Howard the Duck to know that George Lucas was already a little batshit crazy. And he he had the seed in him to do some movies that may not work for people. So I don't don't think Star Wars is, is a good comparison... But there are other franchises. I mean, there keeps being rumors about Highlander getting the reboot treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say, for instance, that um, that Rise of the Machines and Terminator Salvation were, were critical and, and uh, commercially successful. Mm-hmm. Would you be thinking, would the studio be thinking about a reboot at this point? No. Or Terminator 5? I think they'd go Terminator 5. I think they'd find somewhere in the storyline that we haven't covered yet. Because, ter- what, 3 gave us Judgment Day. We officially hit Judgment Day at the end of that movie. Because that was basically, the whole thing was to get them into the bunker that they thought they could make Judgment Day not happen mm-hmm. if they got to the bunker. And the whole plan was no... Judgment Day couldn't be stopped. We had to get to the bunker. And I'm talking about this with this much love because I love Terminator Rise of the Machines. I, I love that movie right to death, and I know people hate it. Hmm. Um, Terminator 4 was after Judgment Day. It was the first one of the that was really set totally after Judgment Day. Right. Because that was the, what, the alien, the giant alien robot hunting people down and turning them into slaves. And... Um, and yeah, that that movie a lot of people really hate. God damn, that I haven't thought of that. That's a yeah, they'd go Terminator Five. I just don't know where they can go. Well, with Terminator them. Salvation, right, right. Terminator Four, Terminator Salvation. Right. After that one, I think if that had been a true success, they'd be thinking Five. I think they'd build on where Salvation left off right. in the future. We have the technology now but to actually do it's that. it's almost like since we have a shitty movie out there that nobody likes, it gives us carte blanche to just start over. Just get a do-over. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's the approach to start taking. But they're running a huge risk here because so many people have seen The Terminator and right. know the story inside and out. Right. I mean, that that's one of the first videotapes I ever remember going and renting was The Terminator. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's, it's incredible. Now, will Arnold be a part of this new, uh, the new, the reboot? I think he will be, but it, it, I think they need to be careful on what they do with him here. Um, we don't want him to have 
you know, top billing like he did in the no. other films. And I don't want them to go the route like they did in Salvation or or like in Tr- using the Tr- Tron Legacy route where they basically fuse his face in somebody else's body. No. I think if they're going to use Arnold here, the best approach would be to have him be a scientist or something, which was the model for the... Which Terminator model was he? I don't remember. I can't remember. Um, but that would be an angle you could do, which is kind of, what was it, Alien Cubed, Alien 3-esque, where they rolled, uh, ah, what the ah, hell's his name? I'm going to be a Terminator, I'm not going yeah, to be well, in a movie. It, it, it's, I mean, it, they just can't use him as, as the Terminator model. Yeah, so. my Mexican maid are going to be in your yeah. movie, having Mexican maid sex. I think ah. <laughs> I think now they could well the question is would they even have it be a human looking terminator at this point uh-huh. with the effects we have now would they just drop a, a robot looking thing back on us or does that get rid of a lot of the story where he was able to mingle with people or don't walk amongst them maybe they'll just be the battle droids from uh, from uh, attack of the clones oh, could be that <laughs> As long as they don't say all the cheesy lines of those things, Roger, Roger. Right. Or, the, the, just the, first, the Star Wars movies are the first ones I've ever seen where they had droids that actually got afraid of things, which I always thought I'd find a weird mix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, look, you're a droid. I, I get that at some point you may have some fear, but they were, for battle droids, they were ridiculously afraid of everything. Well, yeah. Well, come on. C-3PO sort of sort of opened that Pandora's box. Being... Well, I was going to say C-3PO opened the closet is where you want to go with that. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Do you think, though, Arnold Deeds should be a part of this friend? Do you really think he, Arnold should be part oh, of the, the, the um, reboot? I don't have any issue with him being a part of the reboot as long as, as, long as he's, you know, not the focus of it. Agreed. Um, I almost lost my beer. I know. What the hell's up with that? Um, Yeah, I I mean, I don't want him having, like, a a, a real significant role. Um, Because I saw him in his, in, you know, uh, Expendables 2. I saw him in The Last Stand. Uh, Arnold isn't, we don't have the Arnold of the 80s here. He can't carry that type of action flick by himself anymore. He just, he's... He's too old for it. No, no, they. I, it would just look all kinds of wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and again, I, I think you can bring him in if they had him be the scientist that went on to be like the what the basis was. Fine, it would be a nice nod, but he'd only have to be in it for about five or ten minutes yeah. and call it good. Yeah. I mean, this isn't his franchise. Well, is it his franchise? Yeah, but if you're doing a reboot, it doesn't have to be his franchise anymore. Right. But I am happy they're doing a reboot. I, I think this is certainly a franchise that could use a reboot. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see, again, with the technology we have, what they're able to do for the first installment of it. Right. Um, Skyfall, one of the best Bond flicks. Certainly the, certainly the best Bond flick of the modern era, I think. Yeah. Um, and you could make a, a case for it being one of the best of all time. I certainly do, and I've seen um, all of them. And a lot had to do with Sam Mendes' direction, and he is back for the next one. Bond, is it Bond 24 or 25? I think 25. That would be significant. Um, and Daniel Craig's already locked in too, right? He's locked in, to my knowledge, for two more. And 
I'm hoping he stays for longer. I know the rumors are that Idris Alba, however you pronounce his name, would like to do one. Okay. I, I have an issue with that casting to a certain extent. Why, though? I mean, they've, they've reinvented the Bond character many times. They have, but it was kind of like when they were talking about Halle Berry being Wonder Woman. Yeah. I, I, so I think there's certain instances where you can't do that. Uh, see, I don't have as big a problem with With, with the Bond, Bond I have less of an issue because, as I've said before, the Bond character is just that. He right. was never really named James Bond. He It's literally a code name. So yeah. you could have the other operatives be right. it. I'm more concerned that I think there's been three Daniel Craig movies in the Bond series. Two of them, to me, are among the top ten, if not top five, Bond movies. Casino Royale is nothing short of brilliant, and Skyfall upped it. Um, and I, I'll even give uh, credit to Quantum of Solace. That movie suffered from the fact that it they were just starting it right in the middle of the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. So that thing got all kinds of fucked. The studio didn't want to wait until the strike was lifted, so you had people that weren't writers trying to write a movie. Right. Let alone a Bond franchise. Those things have to be... There's so many layers to those now, you've got to be careful. To me, it's meant what Mendez did with Skyfall, though, he showed that he truly grasped what that character should be in the modern era. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's why Skyfall played well for people that weren't even Bond fans. All of a sudden, you had somebody that felt like this, this is what being a secret agent in this kind of world would be. And there was plenty of action in it too. I mean, some of the most, some of the most insane action scenes in a Bond film, yeah, yeah. which they they could either play off cheesy or not. That's what, there was Komodo dragon fighting in this yes. movie, and it was a great scene. Yes, I mean you can't. It's, but it was very it, it was very modern Bond, but it was also very classic Bond. No was, question, it was just nod after nod to the classic Bond without being cheesy, right? No, no, actually, it was very respectful about it. I even love the fact when they unveiled the new Q, and he made a comment about, uh, was it, when they, they gave him the, the gun, and he made a comment about how, what was it, the, they referenced the kind of weapon that doesn't work anymore. Right. And I went, this is perfect. You're giving nods to the old Bond the whole time. Right. You're not cutting... The old fans out. Mendez did it right. To me, this is a home run in locking him down for another one. Because it didn't sound like they were going to be able to do it. Right. And they, if you've got Mendez and Craig together again, let's only hope they can get another villain at the level of Javier Bardem hauled out for Skyfall. What's Benedict Cumberbatch doing? Dude, I literally, that was my first thought. Yeah. Is You can't cast Cumberbatch as a villain soon enough. Right. And in a Bond movie, he'd be Perfect. Yep. You could easily find a villain that Benedict Cumberbatch could play. Besides, he's got a name that sounds like a Bond villain anyway. Right. Benedict Cumberbatch is a Bond villain name. Yeah. He doesn't. Even, he can use his own stage name and be fine. Yep. It's perfect. This this is just awesome news for Bond fans. I, I, I would argue for movie fans. Period. Because again, Skyfall was a success well beyond for just Bond fans. Oh, that yeah. movie just. Dominated at the box office. Absolutely, you could jump right into the Bond franchise off that movie. Yeah, I I took Jess to it. She'd never seen a Bond movie in her life, and she was just blown away at them. Of course, her first question is, "Are they all like this?" 
No. No. If they were, they'd be an easier sell for everybody instead of just fanboys like me. So let's let's tap into a little controversy. We often do that. Yes. The next the next two topics here to steer away from the geek news a little bit and and sort of circle around on some of the controversy amidst some of the geek stuff out there. Kickass two set to release next month. Can't can't wait. Can't wait because um, I love Kickass. Kick-Ass 2 looks just as good. Yep. But I will admit that Jim Carrey has tweaked my excitement level a little bit. Okay. Not that I'm not, not that the movie doesn't look good. When I saw that trailer today, when he yeah. rolled out, I wanted to punch the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and for those who aren't aware by this point, you should be, I guess. He's come out. He's always been. He's always been a gun, uh, a gun, uh, anti-gun. Yeah, he's gun, gun control guy. Yeah, he's gun control guy. He's always has been. That's I no, fine. I have no issue with that. Um, I, have, I have no issue. I, I'm not gun control guy. No. Um, but, but I'm not going to tell people they can be. Right. I exactly. Mean, exactly. I, res- I respect I the it. opinion. However, he has done a very poor job of communicating his stance on guns in that he looks a lot more like an idiot than somebody who who has just has taken a stand on something yeah he's he's just he's one of these guys and it's i'm sorry i'll get a little political it's typical left-wing bullshit that if you don't agree with us we're just gonna call you names and make funny we're not gonna debate the issue with you we're just going to, no, belittle to, you. to belittle you and demonize you yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's, that's right. Because unfortunately, the, then the left-wing people think it's funny and they'll back it. Sure. That's what they do. <clears throat> well, he's come out since the filming of the movie, and, and odd timing, you know, of two months before it comes out, and says that he can no longer support the film and no because he can no longer condone the level of violence in the film. And I call major shenanigans on that attitude. You think? Now, I, I, that's fine. I if if you that you don't condone the level of violence in that film, who does? In the real world, who does? Well, yeah. And he's citing since the events of Sandy Hook. Right. So that so by saying it that way, you tell him you did condone that level of violence after Aurora. That Columbine was okay. Yeah, that you did condone that level of violence uh, after Columbine. And personally, I actually like, I support 9-11. I have those t-shirts. I fully support that level of violence, too. Yeah. We need more planes running into buildings. Yeah. That's that's not an issue. It, exactly. Yeah, it's like, what if Denzel washes out? I, I don't, I, I don't want to be in flight because I can no longer support the airplanes air, air crashing. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's how he's come across here. It's like, why why was Sandy Hook what what broke the camel's back here for you? Yeah, it, all I can think of is the number of kids that died, and I, I've always struggled with that when people say, "Oh, it, you have people die in wars," and it's well, you know, X number of civilians. You know, last thing I knew, soldiers had families too. Mm. A life is a life. I don't care, and I get that you say right. But children, you know, killing children, it shouldn't matter. Death is death, loss is loss. Call of mind should mean just as much. Aurora should just mean it should mean just as much to him. This to me looks like he's using 
He's found himself an excuse to grandstand, mm-hmm. but he's coming off like a fucking idiot and doing so. Exactly. I mean, he's 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 opened his mouth and he's tried backtracking. And, and again, I'll hunt. I don't care what your stance on something. If you looked at me and said, "I want to form a club that doesn't allow fat, balding, white Irish dudes named Dan Sullivan." Awesome! I'll fully support you having that right. You have the right to march down the street with that t-shirt. I'll applaud you. You can say all you want. You just need to be ready for the consequences if that's your approach. And my attitude about Jim Carrey is here, he opened his goddamn mouth and was not fully prepared for the backlash that was going to come. And his way of handling the backlash is even more retarded. I mean, because all he's doing now is picking fights and, and treating gun enthusiasts in the NRA. He's just patronizing. He's basically calling them idiots. Yeah. Which, you, that's not going to help the situation. No. You know what will help the situation? Donate your goddamn movie check. Exactly. If you truly feel this way, put your money where your mouth is. Yes, yeah, build you, Sandy Hook a new freaking school. I, If you said even, you know what, every bit of... Uh, what do they call the checks you gain like once a month from sale from the royalties? Every bit of royalties you get afterwards. I'm donating all those Sandy Hook. Awesome. Yeah. Fine. Then you put your. But at what point do you say, "Gee, I'm against violence." Kick ass. Well, how would this movie be violent? No, no. He's yeah, exactly. He, and, and I know it's gun violence in particular. The other movie is what four or five years old now. Yeah. You, you, you don't think he saw the first one before he signed on for the second? With he lead didn't characters read the kick ass yeah. and hit girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he has no wiggle room here. Right, no. He's just coming off like a like a typical Hollywood pompous asshole. And did I hear, though, who that thinks he... thinks we want to hear his opinion. Right. Well, and it's my understanding that he had them write the character so he didn't use a gun. Which I find interesting because in that definition, then, he has no issue with beating the shit out of people with a baseball bat and right. sticking his dog on their balls. Right. I, but I, a gun is the problem. I don't think he had a gun in the comic. Yeah, I think it, that it was maybe what not. drew him to it, it could be that that's what it is. is yeah. Well, because there's no gun being used. But it's not yeah. any less violent. I'd argue exactly. that being shot is less violent than being beaten in the head with a baseball bat. Exactly. If, if, I, if I'm going to choose the way to go, the gunshots. Oh, he doesn't use choice. a gun. He just beats people. Oh, I can get by. Yeah, that's that. fine. Yeah, that's, right. that's fine. Uh, yeah, he just he's coming off like a, just an idiot. Yeah. So he, he looks just dumber and dumber every time he opens his mouth. And and I have to admit, he has he has sort of, in some way, shape, and form, ruined Kickass Two for me. Yeah. Like I say, when we saw the trailer earlier today. And they, sh- I was down with it until they wrote yeah. his character was starting. I'm like, oh, fuck, because all I can picture is those comments now, and yeah. I, I just don't want him in my goddamn kickass. Exactly. exactly, and it's too late. The, the movie's done, and, and I'm still gonna go, and I'm still going to enjoy. I'll probably sure. love it, but I'm going to have to come to grips with the fact that there's somebody in that movie. Kind of like when I, I go see a movie with Franco and have to come to grips with it. Yeah. There's somebody in this movie I truly don't like. And I just gotta hope that what I get on screen allows me to get past what I don't like about them. Right. With Franco, this is the end. I love Franco, and this is the end because he owned it. I so, didn't mind Franco and Spring Breakers either. No, I actually I would Franco's, argue that he was about the best part of Spring Breakers. Yeah, uh, Franco has done a couple things now that that have put him in a little better position with me, as Rogan has done. Yeah. The problem that we have, though, with Jim Carrey is he specifically called the movie out. 
Oh, yeah. Whereas Franco at no point has called his movies out. No. It's just Franco being Franco. Right. In this case, it's Carrie calling the movie out. The movie I've looked, what, two years oh, I've yeah. been looking forward to this movie? Oh, yeah. So I kind of feel like he's kicked me in the pills and he's still in the goddamn thing. You're just waiting for Chloe to turn 18. I can't wait for <laughs> Chloe to turn 18. So these, these thoughts running through my head are a little less illegal. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> but you, oh, you, right there you, with you. <laughs> oh yeah. So then why she? You, uh, not that I, I. I mean, I'm an atheist, but she is the apple being offered in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> it's like Jesus God, why are you doing this? To yeah. me? And Chloe, will you stop making these poses that you do? Yeah, exactly, dude. They're, they're just they she's vamping it up. up yes. <laughs> they are. They are sexualizing this kid way before they should be. Uh huh. Yeah. And we sound creepy, right? It does, yeah. It, well, we do, <laughs> but and that's what's so bad about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And she's gonna wear the little plaid uh, skirt again. Uh, we're, girls just, and we're just, we're just creepy old fat guys. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, well, fuck you, Jim Carrey. Um, now here's here's been a hot button issue. Um, I used to back in the day. I liked like the first couple of seasons. I haven't watched in forever. Uh, Big Brother. Back in the back in the early two thousands, I was pretty much a, a reality TV junkie. When when reality first started coming out, when, and, and when it was just Survivor, Big Brother, and The Amazing Race, that was pretty much it. Um, and I and I liked a couple seasons of Big Brother, but I haven't watched it in forever. Well, now it's now it's just let's put as many vain, pretty people in a house as we can. Um, and so that a bunch of, uh, I want to treat this word, uh, with kid gloves, but cause I don't want to say non-intelligent because there's a lot of people I like that watch that shit, but, um, it's, people that it's can mind, be attracted to the lowest common yes, denominator it's for mind, entertainment. It's mind numbing, useless entertainment. Yep. That, that you could utilize your time and much better not bothering to, to deal with it. And it's bad enough if you're if you're sitting there watching this for the, I don't know, two or three hours a week that it's actually on TV. But there's people that buy into these internet packages where they can actually monitor the house in Big Brother well, isn't 24-7. There a big, I was going to say, there's a big market in people trying to watch the sex scenes and everything yeah. else that come out of the show. It, and people will sit there, they'll pay the money to go online and just sit there and watch people doing nothing. Yeah. Well, this time, and they weren't doing anything, they were just sitting there talking. Three of the house guests, I have no idea what their names are, but two chicks and one dude. The chicks were cute. Yeah, well, of course. I know, it's, you, you it's have the show. Have, yeah, you have to have uh, grade A uh, looks to even get on the show. Except they'll always throw in like the one older person and the one just like... Dude, bro, you know, that kind of thing, just to be different. But all the chicks on there are usually, you know, grade A, um, looks-wise, certainly not not um, <laughs> intelligence-wise. Um, but anyway, they're sitting around, they caught them on the live feed making uh, homophobic statements uh, and racial statements. Um, I guess there was a couple of N-bombs thrown around, um, you know, take your pick on whatever gay slurs there were. Then I think they were, they were dropping... Uh, some Asian stuff, some uh, chink reference or throwing. I don't know if it was that or no, no, no. It wasn't that because that that's, that comes after with Julie Chen. Um, 
it was something about uh, telling some dude to go back and make some rice or something yeah. like that. I told yeah. the Asian guy or something like that. Anyway, stuff that was caught on the live feed. And, of course, the people who caught this decided, oh, well, that's not right. We need to blow this up. We need, we need to expose these people. We demand they're, that they're kicked off the show. And I call bullshit. Oh, it's total bullshit. Um, when you sign on, or not sign on, but when you, when you sign up to watch this stuff, when you, when you do watch this stuff, you get what you get. You are, you've put people in a fishbowl, and the whole reason you're sitting there even watching them is because you want to see them interact. You want to see, you them, see the quote-unquote reality it, of it. it exactly. <laughs> and just because they've said something that you don't agree with or that offends you or something like that, you don't get to call them out. You can call them out, but you don't get to dictate what happens to them next. No. You don't get to do that. You take what you get. I'm not condoning anything these people said. It, I, what I'm saying is that they were stupid for saying it. Well, not realizing that your every move, your every word is being monitored. You're an idiot for saying these things. Mm-hmm. Do I think you you're you're of low character for for thinking some of the things you do? Yeah, somewhat. But there's a lot of stones being thrown in the glass house here. Right. Well, I've always contended that, and well, we've had this conversation before, to say that people, that nobody, well, let me rephrase it, to say that there are people who are so completely non-racist, bullshit. Everybody has some racism to it. It's, it's survival. That That is in our nature. It's yeah. supposed to be. That That is a survival instinct. Whether or not you act on them or how, what to what degree is something else entirely. And I agree with you. In this case, all you got was people that may not have even meant what they said and the way they're being taken. My biggest foul here is, is thinking, well, at some point you have to understand it's being recorded. It's being broadcast. Mm-hmm. And things that you say can and will be used against you. If you think for a second that nobody in your office is watching this, even though they know you're on it, then you are stupid. Oh, everybody in your office is watching this. Right. Everybody who's acquainted with you is watching this. You just have to be very aware that everything you say, there could be somebody that doesn't like it. So you need to watch your words. Doesn't mean you don't have the right to have these thoughts or feelings. It just means you got to keep be very aware of your situation. Oh, and I think these, I mean, we're talking about very vain, immature, uh, just typical of today's late teen, early 20 culture of no accountability, just no respect. Um, I, I believe that they probably do think what they said. And they, they might. Um, and, you know, and they, all of them, from what I understand, have been subsequently fired by their regular jobs. That, um, that there is the fallout. Well, yeah, and I'm not even sure that they know it yet, um, because uh, I don't think they've been kicked out yet, because they're actually in that house. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's I want to say the show's taping only like 48 hours behind the reality. I mean, um, so until they get kicked out, they're not even going to know the backlash. And then after all this, CBS had not come out and said anything about it. They just said that you know we're not 
we're not going to kick these people out for what they said. Um, you know that we don't we don't condone what they said, but they said it, and and you know that you you could try them in your court of public opinion. That's fine. They're they're staying on the show until they get kicked out via the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all of a sudden CBS decides like, well, you know what? We could get some really good ratings out of this. So we're going to make sure that some of this stuff is actually on the regular TV show. Then you see Julie Chen come out and make comments uh, about how like she's so offended yeah, by the whole Asian her. thing. And it reminds me, yeah, she's the one who said, that's like, oh, it reminded me when I was, when I was seven years old and people would call me chink and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like... Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit, Julie Chen. You are you are the mouthpiece for CBS, and and you're just you're just you're just flapping your gums to make to, for some sort of pity and, and sympathy card well, here, it, and, and it furthers on. the promotion you're, of the show. You're a, exactly. You're a freaking journalist. You're telling me that all of a sudden you're you're in your forties, and all of a sudden this is the thing yeah. that throws you over the edge and offends you and stuff. So, so are you gonna when these people get kicked out? Are you gonna call them on it? I bet you don't. Yeah, and if she does, so what? No. Well, then what? Yeah, they will. They will because they'll because make a statement. It's the only way for her to save face in this. Yeah, it, and it's bullshit. I think it is bullshit. Um, like I, I said, I'm not defending these people at all. No, but Jesus Christ, it's words, people. I mean, honestly, at, at what point, and I know now there are people saying, right, but you're an Irish guy, what's the worst? You're right. Most Irish guys aren't, being, aren't bothered by being told that we're drunken McBastards. We actually embrace it. But the fact of the matter is, if you really let a few words get to you that badly... You have a problem, and you need to get over it just a little bit. Because for the most part, the racism isn't at that level anymore. And you just need to get over it. I mean, uh, what I always thought... I guarantee you, you would have just pissed a lot of people off with that statement. Oh, I guarantee I would. Yeah, they think it is, but I'm right there with it. But it's the flag they hide behind to to further this political correct bullshit. Yeah. Political correctness, I, I got where we were trying to go with it. We've gone way too fucking far with it. And it's time to back the fuck down. You can't keep making comedians answer for their jokes. You can't keep trying to regulate what people think. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And and, as long as you do that, you're going to further, further make this divide even bigger than it is. Because then people are going to resent you because you're not letting them feel the way they do. Or... Not letting them have fun in a way that was hurting nobody. We've, we've been talking all about uh, the what because the Zimmerman trial is at the jury's hands right now. We've been talking about how this guy has already been tried in the court of opinion from the African American side. Oh. It doesn't matter. None of the facts matter Mm-mm. if this guy is acquitted. The African American people are going to go. Apes. Yes, they are. Doesn't matter if it was justified. No, no. It, it well, it, 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 to me, it's unbelievable because every bit of evidence that I've seen yeah. shows that Zimmerman acted in the way that most people would have in the situation he was put in. That Trayvon Martin was up to something more than just eating goddamn Skittles here. Right. And it, but it, you look. 
what's her name? Is Stacy Dash? She's the the beautiful African American chick that's very Republican conservative, and her own people called Did her she up. Come out and said something. Not on this, oh. but they trashed her because she was supporting. Well, they're, they're not riding. She not was supporting riding Romney, and okay. they called her out and basically said she wasn't one of them anymore. Right? Why yeah. can't? can't why do certain people feel that you need to treat people this way? It right. doesn't make sense. And I call other white Irish guys out. If that's the way they're being, fuck them. Yeah. People are people. People have different paths that they've taken through life, seen different things, and they're going to form different opinions. You can't change that. Right. And to try to blanket anything makes no sense. Right. It just doesn't work. Because you still you have you have African American leaders out there like fucking Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and director Spike Lee mm-hmm. and people like this who are obsessed with making sure that today's African American knows that they are still victims, that they're still right. oppressed, that they're still all this, that that Whitey's bad and we need to do something about it. And right. and, and, and it's not helping. It. It's no. not helping anybody. No. I mean all you do is you're taking people like us that really aren't judging anybody right. and making us angry at you for it. Yeah. It doesn't help. And and how this Zimmerman trial ends is it's it's gonna be less about the acquittal or the act of violence, and it's going to be the reaction to it that is what's going to hurt the race, race mm. relations further. No question. You know, it, it would go a long way in racial relations if these people would just stand down and accept that in this case, there was some justification to what happened. But you know what? You know how many of them... Didn't oh. feel that way about the OJ trial. Although they were prancing, they're dancing in the streets. Yeah. Oh, he, he couldn't off. be guilty. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. How how is he not guilty? Right. And it's going to be the same thing. It, well, it's going to be that in reverse. Yep. And it's going to be there's going to be rioting, <sighs> looting, and I just feel bad for anybody who's in that area. Well, Velvet heads down there, pretty close. Because it's going to be scary. Yeah. Because uh, look at what happened in L.A. back in the mid '90s, mm-hmm. and you're gonna, you could very well see it all over again. I, I I just feel bad for Florida at that point. But let's let's bring it back around to the the Big Brother thing here, because we went off on a political tangent there that we don't usually like to do. But but this is just one of those issues. Um, and, and yeah, we're two white guys sitting here talking about yeah. race relations. So take that for what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regards to the Big Brother thing, why? And I'll even bring like Paula Dean into the situation oh, here. Christ. I don't like Paula Dean. Can't stand yeah, Paula but Dean. Jesus but Jesus Christ, Christ. You, this is a real case of people throwing the stones in the glass house because they are demonizing this chick for something she allegedly said thirty, forty years ago and in her life. When when probably ninety percent of the fucking population used the dead. same words, and, and they they want to lynch her, yet. People like freaking Alec Baldwin can get on their Twitter pages, and he, this wasn't an end bomb thing, but he's throwing homophobic rants yeah, out he there. Was, about, he was, it was gay slur after gay slur. Gay slur, and they say, "Oh, well, we give him a pass." It's because okay that he's he been did one it. of their backers all along. Right? It's fucking ridiculous. It is. It's a double standard. It's bullshit. I, 
people are all up in arms. They've all got their, their opinion. They're all offended about shit until you don't get to you don't get to pick and choose what you're going to be offended about. If you're offended by homophobia and gay slurs, then you're offended by homophobia and gay slurs. Right. Whether it comes out of a fucking Paula Deen's mouth or of a fucking pope, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And you're fact, offended by it. But nope, it, that's not how it works. And the whole thing that, that, that people argue is, well, if you ever drop an N-bomb, that means you are blatantly racist and that you're harboring feelings that you haven't acted upon that you could do something against these races. And why is every rap album just, just loaded with it? Uh, you'd think they'd be killing each other. Yeah. And in this case of Alec Baldwin, then that means in his heart, if that's true, then in his heart... He truly hates gays because yeah. he used a gay slur. Yeah. He shouldn't get a pass. In right. fact, you should lock him up and keep him away from any gay person because by that definition, he's going to act out. And I'm not saying what he said was right, but I'm saying you cannot, like you said, you can't pick and choose right. what where you're going to stand on this soapbox. Right. Either you throw everybody under the bus for using these terms or nobody. Right. You can't pick and choose. The only thing I can possibly think is maybe the gay and lesbian community is a little more laid back about it. But that shouldn't make a goddamn bit of difference. Right. A slur is a slur. And I don't care if it's your own president that uses it. As soon as you put it out there to the public, you have a problem. Right. Why are we demonizing some no-name dude from some backwoods area on a reality TV show, a Big Brother, and yet we're not out there freaking... Trying to tear down the freaking Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, Jesus. Honestly. Yeah. that That's a group that needs to be... The guy on Big Brother offended you, but the Westboro Baptist no. Church, I'm not saying doesn't offend you, but that's not worth pursuing. No. And, and you know what it is? It's because the guy on we Big Brother... De- we demand that, that CBS kick this guy off Big Brother. Because it's a media thing, and the media ran with it. Exactly. And unfortunately, we are at that point with our exactly. society. We are yep. so media-driven. We are so one-minute snapshot-driven. We're so vine-driven that we're looking for that little 15-second piece, and yep. that's what gets our ire. Instead of the real issues that we have out there and how to handle them correctly. Right. We're not taking those head on. Right. And we are losing this fight. Big time. More and more every day. Yep. And it's going to get worse. And we continue down this road, which is no reason to believe we're not. Because as everything becomes more digital, as people are streaming more and more of this shit, as people are editing out videos so you only get that one minute of juicy stuff, people, it's just going to get this much worse. Right. Speaking of getting worse... (laughs) <laughs> great, great, great little link there, dude. Yep. The pop scrotum that is Justin Bieber has already Justin been Bieber. anointed with one of our coveted Douche of the Week awards. And he, after only six weeks in, is going to be the first two-time winner. Yeah, that, that he's a full-on double douchebag. And, and I, I, suge- I suggest that he is going to end up in our Douche of the Week Hall of Fame he, before long. Yeah, he'll, he'll be retired. Yeah. He'll have the little Mezengill's box with yeah. his photo on it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> apparently, some video footage of Dude has come out now where he was in a restaurant. I don't remember what restaurant. But pissing in the restaurant's mop bucket. And then defacing a picture of Bill... Why do you have a picture of Bill Clinton in your restaurant? beyond me. But defacing that and saying, fuck Bill Clinton and all this kind of stuff. 
I've said fuck Bill Clinton many times. I have, but you but, know what? I don't want a Canadian saying it, because they don't no, have a right yeah, to you, that opinion. You have a right. But uh, anyway, the, the more egregious piece of this is pissing in the restaurant's mop bucket. Yeah. And you know what? When I was that age, I did stupid things. But you knew they were stupid, though. You knew they were stupid, and it never did I think I was doing it because I was like above the law or something like that. This clown thinks he is just above everybody. Yeah, I can do this because I'm Justin Bieber, and fuck you if you don't like it. No, he he's bought his own hype too much. Oh yeah, and and, and he is. Running with it, I, and the thing is, his posse ain't helping it because they're no. they're supposedly joking they're about the gravy whole training. Oh hell yeah, they're going to be gone as soon as his money's going to run out. Absolutely, and it will. Oh, it will. It then he's. I mean, does this come on the heels of some event where he and his buddies showed up at one of those indoor uh, skydive things yes. and it was within minutes of the thing closing, and he basically begged and pleaded to be let in, and. The place cut a deal and said, look, we'll do it if you'll just do like a 15-second little piece saying that you liked us or recommended us. And so he and his buddies did that, tore the shit out of the place, yeah. and left without paying it a dime for it. Right. And also he didn't record the bit. Right. And it's just fucking total... He's total. a punk. And he needs to be he needs to be taken down by somebody. Yes. I mean, it's time he answered. I'd like to see Keyshawn get a hold of him. Oh, dude. (laughs) You know what we need is one of the other football players that lives in that complex waiting in his driveway. So when dude tries to go run and hide, he ain't getting by the football player. Because he's a little pussy. Yeah, that's just it. He's real brave slow when he's got his posse around him and his handlers and stuff like that. He's a whiny little bitch otherwise. Oh. Now, I know the dude's, what, 19 now? Yeah. So he's of age. But again... I don't care if you're 19. Where is this kid's parents? I, I, I or are don't they know. just are they just content to just sit around and gravy train along with everybody? Well, else? And, and like we said, that I don't even know. I can't say I've ever seen a photo of his parents. No. I don't know if they're if they're enjoying any of the high life from this kid's success. I don't know if he's even acknowledging them in any way. I just don't know. But I further have I have more reason every day to hate Usher and believe we need to punch him out. Usher is the what brought this on us. Will people stop referencing anything to do with this guy anymore? Right. Let's oh, fucking Beaver. This guy's gotta go. He he's gonna self destruct. If, he, if somebody doesn't rein him in, or he doesn't have an, uh, his come to Jesus moment pretty soon, the guy's going to self destruct. Yeah, because I mean, his shit is, is getting worse almost exponentially. What he's oh, yeah. pulling off. Yeah, I mean, it was just little stuff, and now it's two hours late it's, for every concert. It's the arrogance it's, about it that that's irritating. Mm-hmm. That that's what really pisses me off is he's arrogant about it. Like like fuck you, I'm Justin Bieber. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You'll do what I want. You'll do what I say. I'll do what I want. Two-time douche of the week, yeah. Justin Bieber, and yeah. I suggest or suspect that he will be douche of the oh, week. Oh, he'll get acknowledged again. Again, it'll soon. be a monkey story or something around him. Yeah, something to that fucking pop scrotum. All right, Little let's. Bitch. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back and uh, talk about some flicks we saw recently. Cool. 
chance to see a lot uh, lately. When I do have time, I've been more catching up on my uh, television watching. Um, Dexter, Fallen Skies, Killing. Both, all three are having great seasons. I am an episode behind on a couple of them, but uh, I am caught up with Dexter. Yeah, I'm I'm two episodes in. I'm, I'm excited about where this final... 12 or 10 episodes is going to go. Yeah, they, they're, they're doing it right. For a send-off, they're doing a great job this season. I'm loving it so far. And Falling Skies, to me, is having I'm one a, of its better seasons. I'm an episode behind, but, dude, I've been completely on board with the first four or five that have been out there. Great stuff. There's no, There's been no episodes where nothing's had. There's something going on at all times. It's getting very much into the politics around it, but there's still well, a story they're focusing, going Yeah, they're focusing on the characters. Right. Which is all we ever ask for. Yeah, they throw some skitters in there. That, yeah, that's fine. Kind of have that. Because that, that was, again, we don't want to go V and be just the opposite, where right. it's just characters and you never see aliens. Right. Um, but focus on the characters, and that's what the season's doing. It's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. And the killing is the killing. It's you a know, great show. Lyndon Mopes, and it rains. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kinnaman's character. Yeah, well, yeah. He's Always asks for a cigarette at some point during the episode. Holder, they, he claims to not be smoking anymore, and at some point he's going to say "little man" to somebody, and yeah. he's going to ask for a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to come off a little pervy at some point. Um, and I know you've got three new movies to talk about here. I I just have one that you you kind of beat to death a few podcasts ago, so I'll just make a mention that I finally caught up with Mama. Yeah. Um, did Del Toro direct that? No, he produced it. Just produced it. Okay, I thought so. It's another one where he, he discovered right. a young director That's right. and wanted to give him a shot. Uh, dude, I got a lot out of Mama. That's a great movie. I it, loved Mama. It, it made me have a little faith that we can do decent horror movies again. Um, yeah, it, Without it, being a full-on I, horror. Right, right. I mean, there, there were some good, creepy, effective jump-type scares. Yep. Because, uh, you know, I, I get that it's hard to lock down creepiness and, and, and hard, lock, hard to lock down scares in a horror movie without utilizing the jump scare. But at least be creative with it. Don't give me cat jumping out of the right. chimney all of a sudden and that kind of bullshit. Um, and I thought Mama was real effective. And we're talking about a movie, too, that doesn't... Depending on how you how you take it, really doesn't come with a real happy ending or a complete, no, complete not at ending. all. Um, so it's it's. I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I got a lot out of and it. I love Jessica Chastain's turn in that movie. I thought she she thought really. Too, dude, I, the I, kids, I, they were incredible. The kids are incredible. How do you get that type of performance out of kids that young? Just yeah. blows me away. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't recommend Mama enough. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Mama was was great for a horror flick. And yeah, to your point, 
there is there, there does seem to be some sort of renaissance in the horror genre now. Yeah, we still get some some crap out there and bullshit, but I will honestly give and I know a lot of people will be like, "Oh god, this was the stupidest thing. It wasn't funny." But those are just trolls. I give a lot of credit to Oren Pelly and the the his first paranormal activity oh. for sort of bringing horror home again. What well what he brought back was the idea that Little things can be bump creepy. in the night horror, right? Is what he brought back for me. Yep. That that creaking door, that footstep, that something just happening off screen that that doesn't seem forced or anything like that is effective horror. Well, again, we've said that a movie that a lot of that people don't give enough love to is Drag Me to Hell, and that scene with the goat hooves underneath the door. That's fucked up. Oh dude. God, that is fucked up. That's the, it, it's shots like that that if you do that kind of thing, yeah. you get a a nasty movie. A movie that was just on the other day that I forgot how some of the scenes how creepy they could be. And again, it's become apropos to destroy this director. They were playing signs the other night on on AMC, and some of the shots oh, with the when the they know the, the aliens in the, the house. Party? Oh, dude, that shot where it just where slings by real quick. Yeah, yeah. It was just, and, and you, that's good horror. Yes. That is getting it right. You yes. don't have to jump out and get people in the face, and you don't have to have everything be with a, a hatchet cutting people's heads off. Right. You can have generally what-the-fuck moments. Right. That can be scary, and that's where you can still do PG-13 horror and have it work, and Mama captured it. Well, I thought Insidious was another one that captured. Oh, Insidious is a great example. And and that's one there. It's like you can have jump scares, but you have to have substance around the jump scare. You have to have more than. That can't be your go-to every time you need somebody to jump in their seats. If you can establish that that creepy environment, just that something to just give you the willies, build up that tension, raise the hair on the back of your neck, and then hit them with a jump scare on top of it, that enhances yep. the experience. But if you're just relying on a jump scare, you're failing. Well, and you hit the key. To just throw in your random jump scare anyway is a, is a two-second reaction that's over. Right. But if you have build-up and then you throw a jump scare in there, which quite often is a setup to go, oh, okay, that's it. And then something happens, that can really hit people. Right. That's where you get true horror. Right. And it works perfectly. Right. Um, so yeah, if, if you're a fan of horror, um, smart horror, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, Mama. no question. This is one of my favorite horrors of the last few years. Totally agree. Can't wait for The Conjuring in yeah, a couple of weeks. Can't wait for Insidious Chapter 2. Nope, we'll be there. And as much as the last Paranormal Activity sucked, I'm going to give it another shot with Paranormal Activity 5 and hope, hope they found what they had in number 3 going forward and not just another... Rehashed situation with the same. Wonder how many more they're going to keep rolling out of that franchise. Saw ended at five, right? I think there were five Saw films because Saw became the franchise that was the every every October franchise in the end. I want to say Saw at seven, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. But anyway, um, yeah, they're going to keep as long as they're making money. They're going to keep doing it, but but they need to give us something different. They need to move us move the story forward, which I thought they were doing with three. Yeah, they're doing a pretty effective job with it, and then four is just completely off the rails and really had 
it really didn't have anything to do with what you saw in three. So I, I, three was trying to introduce some good ideas to the yeah. franchise. Yeah. So that that's all I got. All right. Well then, I'll Please run with it. Enlighten me with your. Uh... So the first movie I saw is one that came out what back in February. I want to say. Uh, February-ish, yeah. Uh, The Call, the Halle Berry film where she plays a uh, 911 dispatcher in L.A. And she takes a call from a, from a kidnapped victim right before the victim gets killed. And it sticks with her ever since, six, fast forward six months later, and she's watching a, a trainee take a call from a kidnapped victim. And she jumps in to help, and the whole story is ba- literally plays out for at least the first hour of her talking to the kidnapped victim who's in the trunk of a car, and played by Abigail Breslin. Um, this movie, I went into thinking it's going to be horrible. I was really surprised at how good this movie is. It does have some cheesy moments. The end isn't. The most satisfying... Well, let me refer you. you. You can kind of predict the end where she somehow, as the dispatcher, finds the girl. That's, that's a Hollywood thing that they're going to do instead of having her stay on the phone the whole time and have other cops find her. No, at some point she's going to find her. It becomes a personal thing. But this movie plays out way better than I ever <clears throat> thought it would. Abigail Breslin really was awesome. As a kidnapped victim. I think she captured exactly how horrified a person would be in this situation. As they're seeing everything play out. And I'm losing the du- the name of the kidnapper. And he, I'd seen him in some stuff. He's not a huge actor. He was nothing shy of a fucking creeposaurus in this movie. And it just... It made for an excellent movie. Well wa- worth a good watch. Um... I'd give it probably a 3.5 out of 5. It's nothing I'd ever want to own, and now that I've seen it, I could probably sit and watch it again, but I don't really have any urge to do so. But I definitely recommend people giving it a shot. Um, If you're bothered by that kind of movie, though, this one does lay it on. In terms of the whole kidnapper being helpless. Well, as in the... If you're bothered by movies where people are helpless... So, it, it, I'm not, it, it, not in a torture porn kind of way, but as you're watching it, you're thinking, this doesn't, this ain't going to end well for Abigail Breslin. Like, like Buried, which you still haven't well, seen. I still haven't seen, but yeah, it, a lot, it. It, but that kind of movie for a lot of people, they really can't watch it, and if that kind of movie, if the reason I haven't seen Buried is because I haven't seen Buried. It's got nothing to do with the whole Buried Alive thing. Morris Chestnut? He's oh, in he it. an officer. But he plays... Uh, Michael Eklund? Uh, he's the boyfriend. I mean, the boyfriend. So he's not the... He, he's the kidnapper. Chestnut's the boyfriend oh, okay. and cop. Oh, Michael Imperioli's in it, too. Love him. Yes, he plays somebody that comes upon the kidnapper and thinks something's up, and it doesn't necessarily end well for him. Right. Um, but no, I, I, I highly recommend the movie. Give it a watch. It, it certainly was worth my time investment. Cool, yeah, it, it's on my, uh, on my to-do list. Yeah. Airplane going. Runway Feldman's going by. Oh, yeah, there it goes. So that'll, the next that'll pick up too. 
I know oh, I'm sure time, it will. I, lo- I noticed last time when I was listening back to the podcast stuff, something that was just obscure, like some truck go by and stuff, and you could hear it on there. Yeah. Oh, the, the, that's the a good mic. a good mic. Yeah, I like but I, I always find it funny when you listen to podcasts and you can hear, like, sirens going in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always well, find it you know they're just fat guys like us sitting in a room. Right. And, and they're like, oh, shit. Well, just keep talking. Even, even, like, Kevin Smith's podcast stuff, you'll hear Shecky barking in the background. This latest one, you certainly heard a lot of that. Yeah. And I want to say there was a siren that went by at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next movie is going to be an interesting one because this is the movie a lot of people have just come to hate. Apparently, ninety six percent of the people have come to because <laughs> it's trending on four. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I sat and watched movie forty three. Four. <laughs> I'm among the four. <laughs> I I. This is not a great movie. This this is not Clearly. by any stretch four. a great movie. <laughs> But I think people are overdoing it. This is one of the old throwbacks like Amazon Women on the Moon that's just a bunch of celebrities that want to do just a total skit kind of comedy, extremely lowbrow, segments are five minutes long, directed by a whole bunch of different directors, and just call it good. And you can't look for plot here. You can't look for any real storyline. It's just little vignettes. Some people like this. Most people don't like this kind of thing. I found myself enjoying more of the movie than I disliked. So this is Robot Chicken with real people. That's a great, great comparison. Yeah, you're going to get 10-minute vignettes that are completely lowbrow, that are going to be, there's going to be stuff that will offend a ton of people. And if you're not offendable and you don't mind a little bit of lowbrow humor and you're not caring about any kind of overriding, overriding plot or theme, you just don't mind a skit comedy every now and then, well, Movie I, 43 will play I part. enjoy watching celebrities who you don't necessarily associate with that kind of humor in that kind of This humor. movie's right full it's of why, them. It's why, like, how I can't stand 90% of Jennifer Aniston's flicks. But loved what she did in Horrible Bosses. Oh, no question. Because it was so against yep. the type of character that she typically And she plays. embraced it and owned it. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt that she's hot, too. And some of the stuff she was saying in that oh, God, was yes. just crazy. Yeah. What what I find fascinating is I, I, I keep coming back, and apparently people disagree with me. I compare movie 43 to the way I saw a Kentucky Fried movie. It, to me, they play off almost the exact same. Kentucky Fried movie... Just got is getting released to Blu-ray, and people are embracing it like it's one of the greatest things ever. And yet they're trashing Movie Forty Three, and I think they're almost the exact same format. I don't get what the difference is here. And I, all I can think of is, for some reason, Kentucky Fried Movie. Maybe it's because back then we were used to the Battle of the Network Stars and all these other things. So you were used to seeing celebrities step outside the box anyway. Mm-hmm. So you didn't mind it in that setting, whereas. Seeing Chloe Grace Moretz playing a girl who gets her first period when she's at a boyfriend's house and has no idea what's do, what's happening when she stands up and there's a the blood spot on the, the couch and everyone's trying to find her tampons and none of the boys know what they are. I think this shit could be funny. A lot of people just ain't going to play well at all. Right. Um, am I going to say it's a great movie? Hell no. 2.5 <laughs> out of 5, I'd never own it for a second. But 2.5 out of 5, I enjoyed it. I went in hoping for a comedy. I expected nothing. I got a whole lot of laughs out of it. I'm fine with that. Cool. And, and I'll also give credit, because if you look at who produced this movie, 
It's eclectic. It's mm. the Farrelly brothers, Elizabeth Banks is a big backer mm. of it, and also one or two other people. And so clearly, there were people that said, we want to do something different. The Farrelly's, it ain't that different. They do some oddball shit anyway. But Elizabeth Banks, I found mm. that unusual as hell. Not only does she act in it in a segment about a chick who hates her boyfriend's cat, she directs that segment and produces it. And she puts herself out there in it. I, yeah, yeah, 2.5 out of 5. Nice. Also on my uh, to-do list. Yeah, and you might very well hate it. Who knows? I might. The movie I did hate. Or, well, I, can't, I didn't hate. I disliked is the third option. Identity Thief. Did you have any expectation? No, I went in ahead? expecting I wasn't going to enjoy the movie. No, I've been a Melissa McCarthy supporter, which is weird because I'm a, a Rebel Wilson hater. And... I found that the reasons I dislike Rebel Wilson are why I dislike Melissa McCarthy's character in this movie. Melissa McCarthy's fine when she does the roles like she did in Bridesmaids, where she played that tough, maybe a little butch lesbian type, who apparently wasn't, but just didn't know how to come off rough around the edges. That's fine. In this, they play the, I'm the fat chick who thinks I'm hot and sexy and run with it. That's the Rebel Wilson act that doesn't work. It's the quir- I'm the fat quirky girl. That gets old real fast. And unfortunately, that's the running joke throughout Identity Thief, which had potential. But because I, I like Jason Bateman, mm. and I definitely like Melissa McCarthy. This movie's two hours long. And the joke that somebody stole your the whole plot is Chick stole his identity. Because he's got a name that's like Sandy. And of course, the running joke early on is, but you're a boy. Yeah, I, I know. So you get the fact that, she, okay, she's going to look for dudes with girls' names so she can steal their identity, run their char- their accounts up to just crazy proportions, buy everything possible, and basically he gets hired for a job, and then he gets hauled by the police for basically all this fraudulent activity, which he then says, clearly it's not me because I was in Florida. And they make some ridiculous deal that if he can go get the person, bring them back. Oh. Which, yeah, that's, that's the way things work. Yeah. Then not only will we be able to get, keep this job, which is going to pay six figures, but there will also be no charges pressed. And it literally, it it becomes a... In the end, it becomes a feel-good story when, like, McCarthy meets his daughters and realizes he, she's bled their accounts dry. And, oh, my... It just plays off stupid. They used every angle that was they could have that was wrong in this movie. And it... I was so ready for that movie to end. Within an hour into it, I was ready for it to end. Let alone the fact that they made a two-hour movie that's one it joke. Sounds like a paycheck movie. It was. It was people. just painful. There's one funny segment in it where, basically, Bateman won't, has caught her, won't let her out of his sight, decides that they need to stop for the night because he can't drive anymore. So they stop at some cheesy hotel with a cheesy Texas-type roadhouse bar attached. And, of course, she picks up dude in the bar and proceeds to want to fuck him because, you know, it's funny because Jason Bateman ain't going to let her out of his sight. And and he's talking about the fact that we're married so that people aren't wondering why they're attached to the hip. So she sells it as, 
well, then I'm going to be the hot swinger wife trying to pick up fat dude and get laid. If you like that kind of humor, awesome. <laughs> Two hours of it, not so much. Right. I 1.5 out of 5. All right. That was it for you, right? That was it for me. All right. Well, I don't Because I also have been trying to catch up on TV, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no recommendations this week. Um, just haven't had time to really find something something worthy. Um, so let's move on. Uh, we do have a top five this week. We're uh, kind of rolling with the theme because our review is going to be of uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, which is basically just big robots fighting big monsters. We decided our top five would be um, our top five favorite movie robots. Um, and I, I suspect you put a lot of thought into this. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, we don't need to break here. Let's just go right into yeah, it. Yeah, well, we don't need fresh beers yet anyway. Nah. By the time we're done this segment, we probably will. Rocking the Sea Dog IPA I am today. Yeah, that, that was a good Haven't call. Haven't had that in a while. Um, enjoying that. It's definitely one of my favorite IPAs because it's... It's not uber hoppy by any stretch. No, but they're, they're, it's definitely an IPA, though. It's, yeah. it's got a good flavor. Like a bass ale, almost. Yeah. Style thing. It's not yeah. like that overabundance of hops, which I, which like I like. Like the Fries Leap. I, I like Fries Leap. I like Fries Leap, too, but man, Fries Two Leap sticks with you. You're, you're done. Fries Leap sticks with you. And, and you're rocking the honkers down yeah, there. I've been digging on the honkers goose, lately. A little Goose Island action. Yeah, definitely. Don't ever try the Goose Island Summer. Which bummed me out because that's what they the type they had the twelve pack of. I uh, I tried one of them when it was at Jimmy the Greeks a couple of weeks ago. It, if you don't like uh, if you don't like that lemony citrusy no, type thing, I don't. It's severe. I can't stand Sam Summer because just it's citrus way more no. than the Sam no. citrus. It's like every time I see the ads for that Leidenhoffers or whatever the mm. summer shanty, I'm like fuck that. Basically, it's talking about ale with a shot of lemonade in it. No. No. No, no. not for me. But we're only a few weeks away from the Oktoberfest. And at that point, the listeners will know exactly what we're rocking on every podcast. Absolutely. All right, so top five movie robots. We're not getting into television or anything like that. Which sucks, because actually my number one technically would have been a movie robot. It could have been a movie robot, but it'd be stretching it. My number one would be Crow T. Robot from Mystery Science Theater. (laughs) But I... I thought it would be Tweaky from Butt Rogers. Tweaky was awesome, because he had the (laughs) line about freezing his ball bearings off, which as a kid I thought that was great. But Crow T. Robot... Yes, there was MST3K, the movie, which yeah. I paid to see. But still, he was a TV show creation. And I was such... Tom Servo was the shit. Crow T. Robot was cooler. Sure. And he did use the catchphrase, bite me, which was perfect. Right. So, but I, I, I decided I couldn't use Crow T. Robot. So. Well, and, and some of the stuff that I came up with, too... It, I, Maybe they're not referred to as robots well, I'll go with specifically Android. I'll as go with... androids, yeah, you know, things like that um, that are going to be on my list as well. Um, I'll, I'll give you my first one, uh, cinematic wise. Uh, my my fifth is um, uh, RoboCop. Great choice. Um, Great choice, dude. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, Joel Kinnaman's going to do with the character in the reboot that's coming out next year. I'll, I'll enjoy that. But Peter Weller's RoboCop, dude, that that flick still holds up. You know, I got to revisit that one. It's been I watched years it since maybe I've seen it. six months ago. Wow, um, dude, it's been probably 20 years for me. 
It was on. Uh, it's on Netflix. Well, at least it was at the time. Netflix streaming had it. Really? So, yeah, I, it it really held up well <laughs> for me. Um, it was it was just a badass character. Yeah, I, mean, I loved it. It, it. Peter Weller just was. Phenomenal. He owned it. And he'll yeah. always be Robocop. He'll no always, be you see Robocop. always be Robocop. It's such a great character. Um, so yeah, uh, Robocop's my number five. That's a great choice, dude. My number five is actually a type of robot because there are a bunch of them in this movie, and it's going to be a movie most people have never even heard of. They were the spider bots in a movie, Tom Selleck movie called Runaway, where he played a cop, and there was uh, Gene Simmons was this bad guy terrorist. Type. What was the name of the movie? Runaway. Heard of that. It, and it was in the mid 80s. And seen basically, it. Gene Simmons had all these little robots they created that looked like little spiders that climb up walls. They had a needle sticking out of underneath their neck, which they which had poison. They'd bump into people's spear with poison, and then they'd self destruct. And he had hundreds, he'd made this army of these little spider bots things that could chase people down roads. They'd, he'd put them in elevators and use them as little like assassin devices. I always thought that was such a a cool idea in the mid-80s when the only robots you really knew were Tweaky or something from Star Wars to have this little thing that looked like it was built Danger with a director Robinson. Or, yes, Lost in Space. And I can't remember what the name of that robot... I mean, they, that was the stock robot in a whole bunch of things. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they, they wanted to see... He was well, you had the Daleks in, uh, in Doctor Who, too. Yeah, the Daleks. Yeah, basically just, I don't know, washing machines. Angry... Angry, uh, aggressive washing yes. machines. Yeah. But no, spider bots for me were number five. I love the spider bots. They were awesome. Nice. Um, you'll, you'll find that mine are pretty mainstream here. My second one, or my f- number four, is, you know, like uh, we alluded to earlier, one of my favorite franchises of all time. It's the Terminator. Oh, yeah. I have no issue with that, dude. Um, I, I was Which bit, Terminator? Well, the, the, the Arnold one? The I, T-1000? The Arnold one was... The was, TX, I think, was yeah, the check. yeah. But I, I also liked uh, I also liked the one who could like tur- he turned into like the molten metal T one thousand T one thousand yeah um, that was badass I, I just liked the whole franchise I liked the concept of the Terminator mm-hmm. um, just just badass nearly indestructible and you know that's why I actually liked the last Terminator movie a bit is it's the first one to really show mul- well I can't. Technically, the second one to show multiple iterations hmm. of Terminators. Because remember, I there was the scene where they find John Connor, and he's being stalked by they say one of the early Terminator models was this funky looking robot, but still a big badass thing was just touching yeah. everything off. When they showed the human slave pits and all the different Terminator types of guard. I thought that was cool. That's what I wanted to see in the whole post-Judgment Day thing is right. all the different models. That, to me, was the fascinating idea that that franchise threw was if you've got different model numbers, then clearly some of the old models are out there. What do they look like? Right. To me, so that that's a great call. I have no issue with Terminator. Your number four? Another semi-out-there reference. Maximilian from The Black Hole. For those people that remember the black hole, the Disney movie that was what PG was it PG? No, it was Windham and thirteen. It was like PG seventy nine or seventy nine or eighty. And there were really three robots. Uh, there were two that were like tra- flying trash cans with legs, and then there was Maximilian, which was a giant red one. He was a badass. He had these fan blades that could come out of his arms. He'd chop people's chests up. He could hover and float around. 
and he even mind basically melded with his evil creator owner in the end, and they became one creature. Maximilian, I, I was well as well to actually saw the black hole in the theater and loved the movie as much as people hate it. Right. And Maximilian to me was just the coolest robot. Google just the image of Maximilian. It's a great design for a robot. And the whole idea that they actually created a robot that didn't walk, it hovered around, and had weaponry and everything else, that to me was cool. Because Star Wars at that point hadn't shown robots that could actually fight. All right. we'd seen to that point in Star Wars were Protocol Droid, R2 Unit, R5 Unit, and Power Droid. Disney rolling out a droid that killed people was freaky. And Maximilian was a badass, so Maximilian would be mine for number four. Nice. Um, my number three, um, I'm going to go more comedy here. I, I wonder if we're about to hit the same one. Well, we may be. Or two. Or two. Yes, we are. <laughs> we may have even talked about them this yes, week. Yes, the good robot asses. Number three of Bell and Ted's bogus journey, and it's got to be the good robot asses, not Absolutely. the evil robot. No, the good robot. No, the good robot asses built by station. Because <laughs> they not only could they fight, but yep. they were rocking awesome yeah. speakers, and they were awesome backup dancers. Yeah. Absolutely. You have the perfect combo the good here. robot usses. They had the punch of the yep. uh, of the uh, rock'em sock'em robots to knock yep. the freaking uh, evil robots out of there. Oh, yep. dude, good robot usses are clearly on this list. <laughs> and again, they're backup dancers. Right. And they had moves. <laughs> they did. They did have moves. Yep. I think it's funny we both had them number three. The, the good robot usses. I, I, I knew that that was going to be the crossover. Yep, yep. So does that mean I gotta go right into the You may as well two? because we had the same three. Um My number two, um, you sort of referenced it a little earlier. We're talking about a character that never utters a word, but probably saves the bacon of, of as many characters in this movie as anybody else. R2D2, dude. Hmm? R2-D2 was a badass little droid. He's attitudinal to boot. Exactly. Which is awesome. He doesn't take any... He's a great foil with 3PO. Yeah, absolutely. But he saves their ass on so many occasions. He he carries the message of Princess Leia to Obi-Wan Kenobi. The dude is just... He's just... He looks like a little trash can. You, You know what I was... I'm going to get total Star Wars nerd here. What I always loved that Lucas built into this, and and this may not be what people realize. Picture the X-Wing and the fact that every single one of them had some kind of an R2 or R5 unit. These things are supposed to be so powerful, they were what controlled the hyperdrive. That was their purposes. They helped control... Those ships' functions that didn't, there wasn't room to put that kind of computer in. He built that into the franchise. The reference to the TIE Fighter, when they see the first TIE Fighter coming away from the Death Star, they make a comment, well, it could be a lone ship. No, they can't be out this far because they don't have the ability to hyperdrive. Why? They don't have an R2 unit. R2 is so badass that he's the reason why Luke can travel the way he does. Yeah. And yes, other R5 and R2s can, but R2 is R2. 
R2 he carried R2. Luke's lightsaber. He saved his ass on the sail barge. Yep. I know he was part of the plan. He knew the whole thing. R2 is badass, dude. I have no wish for the choice of R2. R2 is awesome. And he's got a little midget inside of him, which makes him yeah, better. Kenny Baker inside yeah, of him. Which makes it even better. That's perfect. I love that you reference Star Wars, because my number two is a Star Wars character. Not R2, though. Not C-3PO, either. I'm going... Well, I would hope not. Empire Strikes Back, IG-88, the bounty hunter, the droid, tall uh, droid bounty hunter. I always thought that was a cool idea. That one Again, what Star Wars did is they found a reason to have droids have a purpose. Yeah. And to basically have a, a droid race, which is what IG-88 was... That's cool. You have a droid that basically becomes... It's an outer space Terminator unit. That, I love the idea. He didn't say anything. He was just one of the group. Like, Boss just kind of was standing there. There were, what, maybe five or six bounty hunters. The only one that ever got any play was Boba Fett. I thought IG-88 was a really cool idea. And he was one of the, what, 35 Star Wars figures that came out by the end of Empire. Sure. Everyone had IG-88. I always loved IG-88. Uh, my number one, um, is, uh, falls more into the Android class, um, and is a, I think a really good example of, of the creepiness of the robot, because of what you can do to a robot, and, and how, how a robot can, it, it's a good example of how a robot is not a human. And how, regardless if it looks like one, it can be manipulated and programmed to carry out things without remorse, without emotion, without consequence. Um, so my number one is Ash from Alien. Great choice. The, 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 uh, the android who, who serves as their science, uh, their science and tech guy. But yet, it has the ulterior motive as programmed to bring one home. To bring one home. That that regardless of the crew. To me, my favorite Ash scene is when he's getting into it with Ripley, and he lets the crew back on the ship. Yeah. Even though there's a, there one of them's infected, mm-hmm. and Ripley's trying to follow protocol, they may die, but you can't bring whatever it is back on the ship. And Ash overrides that order. At that point, you know something's wrong with Ash, even though you didn't know he was Android yet. Right, right. That great choice, dude. Ash was awesome. And realistically, Ash became basically a backbone for that franchise. Yeah. They they had they kept androids as part of it for the rest well, of the series. Well, even Fastbender is David and Prometheus. So it's certainly a reference to it. Absolutely. It was one of the yep. best parts of that movie. Yep. And just to throw out a, an honorable mention to the whole thing, I had to I had to throw out the Optimus Prime, yeah. um, and maybe even Bumblebee is uh, part of my Bumblebee's uh, pretty damn cool. Yeah, Bumblebee, especially is Camaro cool. Bumblebee, yeah. new Camaro Bumblebee. Absolutely. So, who's your number one? I, I'm finding this fast. Johnny Five. I know it is. Son of a bitch. No. <laughs> For a lot of the same reasons you started with on Ash about how. I chose this one. This is another obscure movie, and I want to say it, it earned, I think before they were Razzies, they called them the Raspberries. 1980 Raspberries came out of this movie, and I fucking love it. It's a little movie called Saturn 3, 
with Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett, who are two, I don't want, they're almost like Terra Farmers on the third moon of Saturn. And they're waiting for a shipment to come in. And there's there, it's just them. Creepy because there's a sex scene with then Kirk Douglas, who I think was 85, and Farrah Fawcett, who at that point was just past her days on uh, Charlie's Angels, still looking mighty fine. And they get a shipment in from this captain who's bringing the, the supplies for the next few months, played by uh, Harvey Keitel. And he brings in a, a robot named Hector. And the, the catch here is that Hector is basically like Pacific Rim, is controlled by linking to a human host, that it can't act on its own, that it needs some kind of brain stimulus control. And Hector was a big, creepy-looking robot. Was the 1980s version of what robots, or late 70s version of robot. More, more metallic than man by any stretch. The problem is Harvey Keitel wasn't the real captain. He basically found the captain of the ship. He's, he's a, a psycho. Kills the captain. Takes control of the ship. And then he goes control Hector. So what happens if you have a robot controlled by a psychopath? A psychopath who is addicted and wants Farrah Fawcett badly. And then you have Hector. This movie, Hector was to me one of the creepiest villains I'd ever seen. It was just what you said about Ash. If you take the problem with robot is there's no humanity whatsoever, and it can be one of the creepiest villains ever. If you remove every bit of humanity and just go with total stimulus response, that's what Hector was, and I love the character. Hector for me is my favorite movie robot ever. Very good. Well, segueing off the robot topic, we're going to start talking about giant robots. We are who fight giant monsters. We are. Monster aliens. I'm tired of uh, people saying they're sea monsters. No, that, I didn't say they were sea monsters. No, you didn't. But even I noticed earlier on IMDb, they said this movie where giant robots fight giant sea monsters. They're not sea monsters. They're, they're That's aliens. where the portal is right. that they're coming through. But right. they're not sea monsters. Right. Um, I, I have no issue with you calling them monsters because they look like monsters. No, they are monsters. Right. Don't call them sea monsters. Right. That was monstrous. All right. We'll be right back with our review of uh, Pacific Rim. We always thought alien life would come from the stars. But it came from deep beneath the Pacific. What the hell is going on? The first kaiju made land in San Francisco. The second attack hit Manila. Then the third one hit Cabo. stop in order to fight monsters we created monsters of our own we needed a new weapon the Jaeger program was born two pilots our minds our memories connected and machine become one.
So we just got back from Pacific Rim. Um, I will state up front, as is the case with most of our reviews on here, that we are going to discuss this in detail. Very spoilery. And it will be very spoilery. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you might want to uh, come back and revisit after that, if you don't care. Yeah, you, you can't do a good review without you, being spoilery. You have been warned. <clears throat> so I, I always kick this off, so why don't you go ahead and uh, give your initial thoughts to All Pacific right. Rim. Well, I've made it very clear that this was one of the films I was most excited about this summer. And I honestly, I will fully admit I've been far more forgiving of the big dumb robots fighting each other kind of, of theme. And I was very happy with what I got out of this movie. Um, I, I found that I had... What I feel is one of the more fun experiences I've had at the theater this summer. There were enough chuckle moments, which I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting the humor I got out of this movie. And there, there were a lot of humor scenes in this movie. Um, there was plenty of action. A lot of the action comes off to me a little too chaotic. And a little too dark. I would have liked some of the battle scenes. Why were it was every battle at night in this movie? I, I will always have to wonder. About I'm that. glad we didn't see uh, this in 3D. You probably wouldn't even be able to see. No, it. I, 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 I don't know that I would have enjoyed it. And as I told you, I'm wondering if I'm going to end up seeing this or The Conjuring on Friday night. If it's yeah. this, part of me thinks we'll end up at the IMAX, and I don't know I'm going to enjoy that. Um, uh, it didn't occur to me that. Uh, that the battles were... They were... Uh, every battle was that night. Except for the one where the, the little... The oriental chick was the oriental little girl. When the thing comes walking down the road. That happened during the day. Every other battle scene took place at night. And most of them in the water. Which made to me... It was... I, I think that was an interesting choice. I don't know that I would have done it. Didn't really detract from the movie. But I think it made it a little chaotic to watch at times. Mm -hmm. Um... But I, I ended up getting a lot out of the movie. I thought it was a, a fun movie to go to. It certainly was a good definition of what you get out of a summer movie. It, it, this, to me, is a full-on popcorn movie. There are some feel-good moments. I don't necessarily know though they play off as well as they're supposed to, especially around the Australian father-son combo. They, to me, they almost feel a little 
chiseled in or hammered a square peg in a round hole at times. I love Charlie Day's performance in it. And God knows I love Ron Perlman in this movie. Uh, just his look alone, the way the oh, setup of the oh. shot, it was perfect. And he, he owned it. Um, Charlie Hunnam was an interesting choice. There were times I really liked him in this movie, and there were times I didn't like Charlie Hunnam in this when movie. He was doing it for the club. There were times where I thought he was channeling Jacks. Certainly, when they when showed he was him walking, I was gonna say when they show him walking down the hallway, I'm like, you can't walk that way all the time. You can't. Really he had his natural thing. He had his thumb in his belt and was doing the Jack's walk, the the Jack's mm. stroll, mm. and it just killed me. But overall, I actually really enjoyed the film. Um, I'm right there with you as far as this is. This is textbook summer popcorn movie. No question. Without a doubt. Um, and I'm right there with you in that I enjoyed it quite a bit. However, I saw every summer blockbuster movie of the last 25 years in this movie. It's funny you say there that. There are parts of something that I can pull out from Independence Day, Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, Countless. There was a. I think it was um, when they were the, when he was trying to destruct the Jaeger. I'm trying to remember what movie. I actually thought of and said, "Wait, didn't we see this just last year?" And and, and it's escaping me right now. It was almost shot for shot the same yeah. scene. Um, there were there were a lot of scenes that I was watching. They're going like, I saw this in. Yep. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm I temper my excitement for what. Del Toro did here to some degree because a lot of it feels like he just stole ideas from other movies. Um, I can accept that. I, I would. Another thing that you said that I'm right on board with is that a lot of the infused heart of the movie didn't work for me. No. Um, at the end, there his little his little relationship with uh, was it Mako or Mako, something? Mako Moki. Yeah, Mako Marco. Um, but he's a girl that, that wasn't working for me. Yeah, the uh, the the uh, the cocky guy. Um, yeah, the Australian kid with his the dad. kid. That whole thing wasn't working for me. And even even the him being a cocky guy was nothing other than you have to have the cocky guy in there. Right. You have to set up the the uh, conflict between him and Jax. I'm going to call him Jax the whole time. Um, and, and that whole the way that resolves itself just doesn't do it. Then you get the Armageddon ending. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was it was really point for point Armageddon ending. Yep. Um, that uh, you know that that just seemed a little forced to me. Um, yeah, I mean you have to look at this and take it for what it is. It is that summer popcorn type movie, and, and it's different in something like Iron Man. It's different in something like Man of Steel, where we have. A history with something that you have a certain expectation of how how you will get from point A to point B with those franchises. Whereas this here, you can kind of relinquish some of that expectation from this and just enjoy it for the fact that it's big giant robots fighting big giant aliens. And, and in the end, a lot of those shots were the best too. Absolutely, I thought the effects were, were tremendous. I'll actually say my favorite shots are when they showed the Jaeger pilots 
doing their thing yeah. inside, I thought was fascinating. Yeah. The, um, the, the fact that the, how pinpoint they supposedly controlled it. That, those shots I thought were incredible. I thought it was a little weird that technology had advanced to this point and that we couldn't just find military grade weaponry to have taken these guys down. Yeah, well, why we had to go uh, the uh, real steel? Right. Well, considering yeah, real steel is another movie that was that they, the steel's from. Referenced it in the very opening bit that we took the first uh, kaiju down with military strength, but it took them six days. Six days. I'm thinking. Well, clearly we didn't use one of the uh, bunker buster missiles then. Because you'd think that would have gone right through it. If we have a robot that can just have his sword pop out of his arm and slice it in two, yeah. we certainly have missile tech that right. could have drilled right through the middle of it. Well, especially because they play off the fact that it's like, well, while it certainly didn't really slow him down too much, they've proven that a freaking flare can distract this right. thing enough to... To, yeah, there, there were certainly inconsistencies on, and, and that's what it is. With, with any with any summer popcorn blockbuster, you're going to get a, a certain part of uh, scenery, a certain part of plot that you're just going to have to shut accept. Off, right? Yeah, you have to accept for what it is. But yeah, I I absolutely enjoyed the flip. Mm-hmm. It felt a little longer than it needed to be. Um, and what yeah. was it like? Two and a quarter. It was if some of the scenes when they, they could have killed about fifteen minutes off that. When they were getting ready, the the in the middle yep. prep of will uh, Pentecost allow the Oriental girl to be, become a pilot? A lot of that started getting really really old. Yeah, and, and I just felt that they could have cut some of that down. And I also thought some of the scenes that seemed a little unnecessary, even though I enjoyed them. With the Charlie Day scenes going into Hong Kong to find yeah. uh, Clay. Well, right. to find Ron Clay. Perlman's character. Right. There were a whole bunch of shots of him wandering through town, looking for little symbols and stuff. And that got a little old. I, I will parrot you in saying that I loved Charlie Day in this flick. Oh, he, he was, was awesome in Because he really was always sunny Charlie Day here. Right. Um, which which is how I want my. It Charlie was Day. funny though because it was Charlie Day from Always Sunny, but with where Charlie and Always Sunny is just crazy. Yeah, this was crazy genius. Yeah, right. You got exactly. the impression it's Charlie Day, but they're letting him be intelligent, crazy yep. genius at some yep. point. Um, I, I like Ron Perlman as well, but it's Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman can do anything in any movie. He he definitely hammed it up. Oh no! For this. There was nothing serious in Ron Perlman. Well, in this movie. Not, there's nothing serious at all in this movie. There are times that it's so over the top. But there's times where it tries to be. Right. There are times Again, when it tries to heart. infuse heart. And the whole with the whole uh, Idris Elba's uh, Colonel or whatever whatever his character's name was. The, the whole bit where you could see, it was telegraphed a mile away that he at some point he saved the little Asian girl and that was his right. connection. That never felt, none of these emotional connections that they were trying to force on you ever really worked no. for me at all. I At the end of the day, I didn't really care that they lived. I, I, I cared that they stopped, that, that they ended the war with the kaiju. But I didn't, it didn't matter to me. That those characters that lived live. I'll actually take it one step further. I would rather have it been a different ending, and Charlie's character not lived. Well, and I think it would have meant more to the movie had he not survived, because then you would have had a, a, 
the, the girl who dreamt her whole life of avenging her city, avenging her family, was raised by a guy who was a Jaeger pilot. You have her finally becoming one. She shares the bond through the brain with this guy who has who give, pulls his oxygen pl- tank, uh, plug out, gives it to her so she can survive. If he then died, that bond they shared, I think, would have actually meant something. Yeah. In the end, it meant nothing. Because we yeah, saw it, what it, it meant, meant, yeah, it meant to Hunnam's nothing. character when his brother died. Yeah, so absolutely. Clearly, there's... Now, I recognize they wouldn't have been plugged in together, but they kept referencing the fact that all the memories... You know everything that person's been through as soon as you, what they call it, drifting. drifting. As soon as you drift with them. So if that's Especially the case... Especially just a mind meld between... Right. They even use the term mind... Which I find interesting, they use the term mind meld once. And again, it was during the five-minute interlude at the beginning. Yeah. Where it was kind of rang through, he called it a version of a mind meld. And going, oh, the Star Trek franchise, like you using that. Huh? Well, even Idris Elba's death there to, at the end there, when they when they use the well, like I said, the Armageddon ending when yeah. they just just you know blow the nuke. They've established the fact that the guy is sick; he's going to die anyway. Right. So when you tell me that, you've cheapened the fact that he kills himself in this manner because mm-hmm. they're really. What's he sacrificing? A couple months? Where Where is his personal emotional sacrifice if he's going to die anyway? Right. And then the other guy, if you were trying to establish the fact that this is just douchebag who is now sees the errors of his way and it's redemption and stuff like that, you failed there too because I, it, it, everything about that guy being a douche felt completely shoehorned into this mm-hmm. thing. And for me, that was the whole, that, that was part of the whole Top Gun thing. It's like okay, it's 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 the Val Kilmer and whatever that other big goon guy was being the douchebag to Maverick and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, dude, there was at least five or six summer blockbuster movies that I I, I was watching this and saying I saw that there, I saw that there. Like I said, I saw Armageddon, I saw Top Gun, I saw Independence. Idris Elba's little. We will stop the apocalypse. That was the independent. It was only, dude. I'm sorry. Where's Bill Pullman? I was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it was. It I was almost said, "This will be our Independence yes, Day." It was point for point the Bill Pullman speech in Independence yeah. Day. Um, and, and, and I and I got a, I got a ding the movie a little bit for that because it really felt like a lot of stolen pieces of other movies pushed into one. Mm-hmm. Not that I dislike that. No. Well, and again, to, this movie played out best when it was robots fighting aliens. And, and again... It was even Cloverfield. I even saw Cloverfield. Uh, that was one I definitely saw the reference to. Mm-hmm. Especially in the cutaway scene when she was a little girl. Oh, and yeah. the, the uh, kaiju was going through yeah. the city. I'm thinking, this is Cloverfield. Any of the number of the things. Shot with, by shot. With the bridge and stuff yep. like that. Um, yeah, it, just another movie that it felt like, okay, well, I liked this from Cloverfield, so I can plug that into this part of my movie. Mm-hmm. And I like this from Independence Day, so I'll plug that in here. And, you know, yes, I liked it ultimately, but there was nothing here that I haven't seen in every summer blockbuster in the last 20 years. Now, I, now and I will defend the fact that comparing something to Cloverfield... And I love Cloverfield. It, it, it may be a little unfair because you could argue that any movie from now on that has alien creature crashing through the, the, the 
the streets of a major city knocking buildings down is going to draw comparisons to Cloverfield. But there were things about the way they shot it that yes. felt Cloverfield-esque yes. to me. It, it, I could the bridge heard... scene for me exactly when yep. the, right at the beginning when the aliens like like the monsters like taking out that bridge. It's exactly yep. like when it the, was the in kaiju Cloverfield. came through and crashed yeah. the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and that, yeah, and that's that's just it. Is there were certain shots that did feel like. Not only does this feel Cloverfield, I've seen this shot in Cloverfield. Well, did you notice? Um, did you notice in that opening shot when he was taking down the Golden Gate Bridge and he saw the cars and stuff with the lights and stuff? They, they, one of the cars was like real close. There's nobody in the car. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Yeah, there's. I'm looking at that. I'm like, there's. You didn't even edit anybody into the car. And if you were trying to say like that, we we knew these things were coming and we just got the fuck out and left our cars where they were. Well, the lights on the cars were still on, so you couldn't have gone too long. Um, and there was nobody in the car. No, I didn't didn't catch that. Um, yeah, my, my biggest issue was with the movie it wasn't so much the the piecemealing all of the other the other movies into it. it was just the fact that you shoehorned in stuff that you were trying to find some sort of heart, some sort of emotional connection with these characters. And I never felt an emotional connection. No, I didn't. With any I didn't see any need to even put that as part of it because in the end, I know why they did it. Well, they they tried to give it something more than it was going to be. Right, right. But if they, I would argue that they would have been better off embracing the fact that this is clearly a popcorn movie. So it's a popcorn movie. You can do that. It's sure. allowed. Um, so I I feel the need now that we should actually say what some of the plot line of the movie is. Mm. So. You already know the drill. What basically there's a a rift, and I can't remember what the hell the term they use. A fault line mm-hmm. that it, that's in the Pacific it's called that a breach or something that like becomes that. A, a that they call a breach, and basically it's like the San Andreas fault kind of thing that we know is there. But what it is is it turns out that it can also be a gateway to this other world, and this other world is where the kaiju aliens come from. And, and we never really get any reference from where they came from. It, well, they actually do. Remember, right, Charlie Day's little engineer, little scientist buddy says, they're on this planet on the other pl- side, and they're basically, they're rovers. They rove from planet to planet, using up the resources, wiping right, things out. Right, we don't know when or how they got to us, do we? Yes, they, they say that they came during the dinosaurs, at some point, uh, to feel the planet right. out, that's then right. at that point, we hadn't depleted the resources. It, it went um, World that's War right. Z on us and said, at that point, we hadn't used depleted enough of the resources. But now we've created the perfect environment. There's so much CO2 in the air, the greenhouse effect, so much pollution that there. this is actually prime. So we're to assume that, that these things have been there since the dinosaurs? No, that they came through at some point at the dinosaur time. Right, but they've been here since. That the fault line was there, and they've been waiting for the right time to come back. So, billions of years. Yes. Because when were the dinosaurs? A million years. A million years. So these things have been waiting a million years under the fault line to come back. Well, no, they, they weren't on our planet. Well, that's just it. So, during the dinosaur era, they killed off, and then they left. No, they died. It said that the, the environment wasn't right for them. So, so how did the new ones get here? Then they came back through again. Right, and how? Through the fault line. But the fault line's on our own planet. Right. 
Well, that's my point. But How it, did they it get it, there? It had existed the whole time. They they did reference that. The, the whole the thing had never gone away. It had existed. It's just so there were living kaiju that could have come through that were in this fall. This wasn't some sort of like time dimension warp thing, was it? No, and they they weren't. They, they had to come through. They were waiting for the right time to come back. They said that they they had they been they did. Battling against other planets, and we're waiting for the right time to come back to ours to wipe it out. I get that. It's really thin, I admit, but they didn't say I get this. that, but it, it doesn't... It, I'm still struggling with the how they came back. The fault line had existed the whole time. Right. The breach, or what they at one point I think they called it the throat. But but the way, it, the way this is processing in my mind is that it has to be some sort of time-dimensional warp thing because the fault line is under our ocean. It is under the Pacific Ocean. Right. Okay. So either these things have been hibernating underneath this fault all this time. or Okay, fine. Then how did they come back? They They didn't automatically pop up under the fault and come back up through. They had to have come from their planet to our planet again. Right. But they, I don't recall them referencing that. I, I, all, we, all we know well, is... They, that was part of his little talk. He, he drew, the, he drew a, a drawing of Earth. He yeah. drew a drawing of their planet. Drew the throat and said that they... they all right. So, that, so the throat was a connection from their planet. The throat was basically... It wasn't just like at the core of the Earth. No. The throat was okay. basically a wormhole between the two. Gotcha. Right. That that's what it was. All right, now I'm on. Uh, now I'm. Which on is board. why, when we, in order to defeat them, we couldn't defeat their planet. We had to blow up the throat. Gotcha. So, which that, which basically sets up for Pacific Rim too, because you what you think about that is we haven't stopped them. We've only stopped the throat from existing, and the aliens we killed, the kaiju we killed, were those waiting in the throat to come through. Right. They were just waiting there, and they referenced the elders being inside the throat. Sending the clone armies up in different waves of different levels because they said the first wave was just like the the rabble rousers come and make a mess. Right. The second wave would be those that just fight out wipe the exterminators. Us out. Right. Um, so as we referenced, they they have this rift, and out pops the first kaiju, and basically takes out San Francisco. Our response so after the military takes six days take it down is to basically the world comes together. And creates... As the world will do. Right. Creates the... Uh, As they did in Independence Day. I just lost the name of the, our robots. The... Uh, the um, Jaeger. The Jaeger. The Jaeger program where we build giant robots to fight them, which were at that point were one man piloted. And we found that if there was one man, because you had to mind meld with the robot to control it, it would basically kill the pilot. They found that if they used two, there was a bond that had the two people that they had a bond previously, then the bond worked and it could control. Thus, you have the Jaeger program. The movie starts out with basically the Jaegers being decommissioned with the worst idea ever, and that's building a 300 foot wall on the Pacific Ocean on all of our yeah, that, coastline. Yeah, that just doesn't and make the, any sense. And I'm like, what would stop the freaking kaiju? And lo and behold, then they show the shot of the one in high ca- Hong and Kong. How long would it take to build this wall? And and you're only talking about building it. They were talking about the U.S. So if you stop 
at the southern tip of California. What's to stop them just going around? Right. If they can't, what? You think the kaiju ain't going to be willing to cross the border? No. Mexicans do it all day long. And towards <laughs> the end of the movie, they've, they've uh, shown proof that the kaiju can fly. Right. Some of them. Certain well, ones. Yeah. Because they did have different terms of different types of kaiju. Yeah, the wall was dumb. But they even referenced how dumb it was. Because, it was, I'm sorry, it was Sydney's wall, right? Was it Sydney's or Hong Kong's? Uh, that yeah. They said that within one hour, the Sydney's. kaiju went right through the thing. Yeah. And they were talking, wow, we thought this thing would so. Why did you ever think bricks would stop the goddamn things? That's horrible. It it's might horrible. stop the Mexicans, but it won't stop uh, any Mexicans kaiju. will find a way. They'll dig under it. They dig. Mexicans are coming through one way or another. There's a Home Depot there that needs people day laborers in front of it. Oh, uh, there it goes. Uh, there we go. Right there. We just no. took the Big Brother we're moment. Getting, we're getting hate mail <laughs> <That's> now. <right. laughs> they're going to demand our ouster. But it, yeah, the wall was dumb. It, and what I I did find it interesting that the different instead of we basically didn't have one standard type of Jaeger. Each Jaeger was yeah. completely different. And I, I got that we kept upgrading models. I get that. But we had, like, the four-armed Jaeger that the Oriental dudes were driving. We had the big badass one with the two German people, which looked way too much like Boris and Natasha to me. <laughs> no doubt. We're, we're driving. We had the, the... Yeah, that's the other thing. What, um, shit, what, what movie was that feeling like to me? Where they just sort of had these teams of robot fighters. It, I found that weird. It was weird. And, it, it, and each one kind of had this little... Well, I, I guess I don't have an issue with the fact that they almost have their own little battles between each other. We've taken down 42. This is yeah. a record. And to a certain extent, I get it. But what I found interesting is... If, you, if you're going to do that, then all of a sudden the kaiju are adapting enough to wipe out four Jaegers or two Jaegers in a shot. Right. Why weren't they all long? Right. You'd think they were. Like, that acid one. Why did it take that long for the yeah. first kaiju to throw acid at people? And where was that the rest of the time? Yeah, they, they never used it again. You'd think that was the perfect... That'd be the perfect weapon for taking down Jaegers. Yeah. If, you can, if you can throw down so much acid that it eats right through a Jaeger and takes them out... That game set match. We're they, done. Yeah, they used it on that building later. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because they, they definitely showed the uh, the kaiju as having a, some semblance of intelligence to them. Yep. Some sort of tactical intelligence what, in the way they attacked. So, yeah, why wouldn't you? The way it? I took it is they had a hive mind kind of setup, mm. which I, I didn't mind that approach, especially since they basically showed that they're... All the little infor the, the little battle troops coming through are basically cloned of each other. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't mind the hive mind idea. It's interesting because basically then it's like little drone worker bees that you're sending out to, to to do your collecting. That wasn't problematic for me. But it, it a lot and again the Jaeger battles are cool, but it was the weird things around the Jaegers that I found really odd. I mean just the little tour through what do they call it the the Rumble Dome or whatever they call the, and all the different variations of Jaegers. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you just be consistent and have one yeah. type of Jaeger? Yeah. Because you'd think, and, and this is more just a little geek level thing for me. You'd think that if you did that, then if a if you had two pilots that were able to drift together, but their Jaeger was taken up, but they were good, you could drop them in any Jaeger, and they'd be able to battle the same way. Right. That just seemed really odd. 
And I, I didn't get where they were going with it. And what I also found odd was the first Jaeger we see taken down loses its arm. And it clearly affects the pilot at that point. He feels like his arm's been broken. Later on, you saw the shape that Jaeger was in. Its leg was about to fall off. It was missing an arm. And there was no reference to the amount of pain that that pilot should have been feeling. Right. And I was struggling with that. Because I, I remember the first Jaeger. And they, well, it was the same Jaeger, actually. What, Gypsy, mm-hmm. not Dream, Gypsy something. Um, and I just knew it as Gypsy. Right, it, but they, and they spelled it with an I instead of a Y. G-I, yeah. Um, there was a DR word after it. Um, but they they stopped with how much pain you felt if the Jaeger felt pain, or took right. damage. Right. And that, that was weird. There was no consistency on that. No. How about the acting? Uh, I didn't have any issue with Hunnam. And yes, he channeled Jax from time to time, but... And, and, and maybe you know, that is... Maybe that's his acting method now. But a lot of actors do that. Yeah, and it's like, say, you know, Tom Hanks is a great actor, but it, it doesn't matter what he's in, he's Tom Hanks. Let, let's be honest. It, Charlie Hunnam is going to sound like Jackson here. Here's what it I... It helped found, that he didn't look like Jax. But here's where I, where I have... I'm going to raise the flag, though. Charlie Hunnam's British. Yeah. This was an international thing. Why, Why did they have him speak British? in his, with his real? We weren't even voice? in the U.S. Were we? No, it was Hong Kong. Kong. We were Hong Kong the whole time. There, there were so many Oriental people, which I kind of found funny when they showed the celebrations. A whole bunch of Chinese guys jumping around <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. But I, I'm watching, going, "Why aren't they letting Charlie Hunnam talk as Charlie Hunnam here? Yeah. Because it wouldn't have hurt anything. It would have made more of an international feel." Making him speak American well, made no, no sense. The only thing I could think was because of the early days of the Jaegers and how it became this competition, how they they uh, hero worshipped these guys is a very American thing, right? And we didn't. There was no American at this table in this movie. Out no, no, absolutely not. But the and concept, that's a good call. The concept about that is a very American thing, where we just get cocky and worship and all this kind of stuff. And and that would play more with Americans. Yep. Than I loved, and, and I, we'll go back to the acting. I did love in that first five minute vignette though, where they showed how as soon as we started taking down the the uh, kaiju, the selling of the little statues for kids and toys, and the Brit- the, the they, Japanese talk show where they have the giant yeah. kaiju's, and they <laughs> they merchandise the kaiju, and which I which. We would do. Oh, and Japan would do. Absolutely. I, I found that to be a great touch. Um, and yeah, we will go back to the acting. How about when uh, there was that one kaiju who, I don't know, he did some sort of like uh, electromagnetic pinch. Oh, the, shut that thing. Right. But didn't turn one light off in that fucking city. No. No. He, he knocked out the, the Thunderdome or whatever it he was. He knocked out the Thunderdome, all the Jaegers that were but, but digital. It was, but it was business as usual in Hong Kong. Right. Yeah, that that was, and their pitch was, well, he knocked out the digital stuff. There's right, you said that digital in 2013. But the fact of the matter is, right, is you started, <laughs> and they clearly knocked out all the lights and stuff too inside the dome because they had nothing. Mm-hmm. So that means to me, then either the lights in the dome are digital, or it did more than just knock out digital. Right. 
I had no issue with this thing because they had already pitched the idea that Gypsy whatever was atomic. That, that it was one of the older models and that's the way they powered it then. It was analog, yeah. And so it would be yeah, that that I, I like the fact that that had been referenced before. Yeah. So they, they set it up to work. However, yeah, they if you gotta have that kind of attack, you gotta be consistent. Well, with even it. though when they went into that first test run with uh with Jax and uh Mako or whatever I can't mm-hmm. I don't know what her name was. With the Asian girl and how how much of a failure that was when they were doing it because she couldn't couldn't get out of her own memories of, of that kind of stuff and then they they never really go there again with her struggling to focus it's just all of a sudden her and her and Jacks are badasses the, even though I will say in its defense they did set up the fact that the only reason she lost it is because Jackson started losing uh, true. But then, if that's the case... But he came right back. He came back and never referenced that again. Yeah. Except for when she was getting eviscerated by Pentecost, and he basically said, it's my fault. I started losing yeah. it, because I had started picturing my was father. Was that his name, Pentecost? His last name was Pentecost. Oh, okay. I just saw that. And I yeah. thought I just saw that was great. It was like Slicer Pentecost. Yeah. Or was, <laughs> it was a Cypher Rage. Stacker Pentecost. Cypher Rage. <laughs> Worst name of the summer right there. Um, I, I thought Idris Elba was great. Yeah, in it. He, he was he was badass. And we've already referenced Charlie Day. Who I really I thought did, did I a lot didn't have any issue with any of the performances here, even Charlie Hunnam. Now the uh, the only one that twi- that kind of tweaked me a little bit, but I think they told him to act that way was Charlie Day's engineer buddy. Yeah, I can't remember who that guy was. And it, it was him. a little over the top a and little. cheesy. Yeah. But I, I truly believe that Guillermo del Toro wanted him to act that way. Yeah. I think he was asked to be the, the... They were both supposed to be mad science types. Charlie Day was the one that was into the biology and physiology of the kaiju. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one was supposed to be the was engineer the doing the math and the yeah. numbers. Yeah. And there was just something about the way that he was playing it that seemed annoying at times yeah. to me. No, I agree with that. But I think that was a director choice, and I won't knock the actor for it. Right. So. Um, I thought the effects were phenomenal. It was a gorgeous film. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of corners are cut in CGI and some of these big blockbuster films, mm-hmm. but this felt extremely authentic. Um, yep. Really, really well shot, really well done. Um, you, you could you could feel it and hear it and everything looked like it was happening. Yeah. No, I, I I thought it was one of the more beautiful films I've seen CGI wise in a long time. I would I would say probably since the Avengers last year. Okay. I, I I think it was that there, there were very few times I was watching on eh, this looks a little too much. I, I could buy that they were well, robots and there were aliens walking on those streets. Yeah, absolutely. And it Regardless of the amount of damage that the, that happened here, there was still less damage than in Man of Steel. Right, and they but in this they referenced the amount of damage that the battles would cost. But they basically said because early on they set up with that commercials uh, fishing boat. Yeah, they said the lives of ten people are way outnumbered by the millions and billions you save by killing a kaiju. Yeah, so that was basically the pitch. Look, cities are gonna cities are gonna be destroyed, but they're being destroyed by the kaiju. So there's nothing we can do. Let's just try to get as many people safe as we can. Well, it was sort of part of the issue you said earlier. How every every battle seemed to take place in the water. Well, the water was sort of that line of defense. 
it if was. you're going to defend your city, you've got to be out right. you know, a mile and My water. issue was less with the water and more with the at night. Because I would have loved to have seen this, those shots during the day. Because to me, the, the few shots they had of the Kaiju during the day played really well. Again, they played Cloverfield-esque. Yes. But they played, the, again, the, the shot where the girl reverted back into her memories. Those were good shots. They just felt like Cloverfield. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. But still, it was crazy good shots. There were a couple of instances there, too, where I thought that there were, there were bad continuity edits with how how deep the water was in certain spots where supposedly... Especially when they drop the robots in. When they drop the robots in and then all of a sudden they stand up and it looks like, eh, it yeah. doesn't look that deep, you know? And you're going, wait a second. Yeah. This robot I know is a few hundred feet tall. I get that. Yeah. But the water there is probably a thousand feet deep. Mm-hmm. It's probably over his head. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's down to his knee. Right. Oh, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. And it, 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 it's a passing thing that's more of just a little thing you pick up on. But there were a few times you're like, they've carried this robot. This 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 Jaeger's been carried like five miles out to the ocean. Right. You should be at a thousand feet. You should be well over a few hundred fathoms at this point. Yes. And you drop them, and he goes in like he's going to be over its head, stands up, and like, it's at his fucking knee, really? Or at its waist? Come on. No. Right. No. Right. Um, yeah. End of the day, I enjoyed it for the summer blockbuster mm. that was. Um, you know, I, I, I wish it didn't feel so piecemealed together from other movies. And the the shoehorned in scenes that they tried to establish some sort of heart and emotion or emotional connection with the audience and these certain characters does not work for me uh, on any level. Um, but ultimately, a good summer blockbuster thing. I, I'm three out of five for me. Uh, so I'm going to go a bit higher. I, I, I enjoyed the movie. It, for me, it's my favorite. I favorite time at the movie since the oh, Avengers. Oh, you know what? You know, from an, a purely enjoyment standpoint, I would certainly rate it higher. My rating comes from a from more of a critical right. eye, more of a. a how does it work as a movie? And I can't go over three out of five specifically for the reasons yeah. I said. I'm, I'm going to say enjoyment 3. factor four out of five. Yeah, no, and that's if I'm taking it as just a summer film, it's a four out of five. It, Absolutely, it is clearly the best time of the theaters. A little the Avengers. Long. It plays off long. If I take the knocks out of it, though, it's a three point five out of five. Yep. I have every intention of watching it again. Oh, I, I but I have a feeling the, the 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 things that that irked me then. Will irk me again. I think this will look beautiful on Blu-ray when oh, it comes yeah. out. I'm hoping there will be some great extras and stuff. And um, this is a movie, i I got to say, I highly recommend people's first viewing well, be on the big screen. I just took a, I just took a, uh, a quick glance at IMDb, and it is trending third. It is trending behind Despicable Me 2 and oh. Grown Ups 2. I don't oh. have as big of an issue with Despicable Me. That's a family thing. But Grown Ups 2. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, people stop, stop supporting Adam supporting Sandler. Supporting these dumbass Adam Sandler flicks. They're stupid and they're not funny at all. He's putting no effort into this no. bullshit. He is just putting together a bunch of guys making up half ass shit. I can take because you people keep nose at yes, people in his comedy. You people eat it up as it's the funniest shit ever. It's dumb. It's not funny. No. Stop supporting this bullshit. Now, one, because I'll be honest, 
You can say anything you want about Pacific Rim. One thing you can't say is Del Toro didn't put an effort into this. No. Thing. This felt like he's put years of love and time and money into it. And you will not so be able to say Sandler that about Grown Ups making a couple of fart jokes and... Uh, I heard that a deer pisses on him in this movie. Oh, awesome. Because That's you know, funny. That's funny. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that are out there watching that thinking that is the funniest yeah. thing they've ever seen. And I bet he makes a weird face at some point. Uh, you think? He'll you talk think? like a baby. Yeah. Don't that baby talk like yeah. Yeah. I'm fairly certain you'll get that from Adam it's, Sandler. It's tragic that a movie like that is trending more than this one here. Yeah. And I agree with you. I have no issue with Despicable Me. Don't have any interest in seeing it, but I get it. That's family fair. Family thing. And That's I, I understand family that. family with two or three kids that wants to go that knows they can't go to grown-ups to. Right. And... and and Pacific I don't Grimm's know that Pacific Rim's good for a three or four. No, 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 no. Like, way too intense. Come ten years old, maybe they'll way get into it. But yeah, three or four years so old. So I is too get much. the Despicable Me thing. I get the Monsters Inc. thing. It's a different thing. But if you've opted for Grown Ups two over Pacific Rim, no, it's fail. You've got issues. That's total fail. But we actually kind of predicted that yeah, happening. It, it's 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 why we hate humanity at times. Yeah, absolutely. Except for our listeners. It's why we, we can't have them. nice things. It, it really is. But uh, we will be hitting the theater again in two weeks to check out The Wolverine. Is that two weeks? I believe it's the 26th. Huh? So right. I believe that's, that's right. It's after that we got like a possible two and a half week off or two yeah, weeks. October, or not October. August, August is, is loaded. shaping up like a decent August. We got yeah. the World's End, yep. Kickass Two. Yep. Um, what was the other one? There was two other ones I thought that were uh, really good. For Elysium. August. Elysium. The, uh, what was the fourth? There was another one too that that looked uh, that looked really good, but. Um, yeah, we have the Wolverine in a couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, yep. I, I like, I, I'm not as big of a hater of X-Men Origins Wolverine as some people are. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't great, but there were some cool things. I liked, uh, like, um, Gambit there uh, mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, I liked... Yeah, uh, but you got a Taylor Kitsch thing anyway. I think he's a decent actor. I think he just gets a bad, uh, a bad rap, but... Anyway, the the Wolverine looks pretty decent, um, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll see it. I didn't like the first Wolverine, but I'll see this. Yeah, I think that to me it looks like they're putting a better effort into this one. So yeah, well they're going back to Japan and stuff like that, which is like the actual comic book origin and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, so yeah, there we go. That's our thoughts on Pacific Rim. Uh, and we will revisit again in a couple weeks. Those weeks. With the Wolverine. And maybe Oktoberfest. It'll be close. Snickety snick, bitches. Uh, Wow. Snoogans.